Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. What's going on, everybody? How are you? Welcome to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. Super excited to have you all here. I'm pumped, y'all. We got a brand new diner out here. Uh, eventually, this will hopefully be shot in an actual diner, uh, but we shall see. But we just moved on Monday and moving, y'all. What a good time. What a good time moving is. Uh, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. Uh, but we got it done, and I'm pumped to be here. But y'all, we got Diner Talks with James. We got standards to start this show off. Let's get it cracking. Let's jump in with tonight's top three, top three. All right, here we go. First one, in honor of the move, these are the top three things I am glad that are over now that the move is done. Number three, being back in college with the way I have to piece meals together because I've successfully packed just the wrong spices or the wrong foods to now I'm like, do these things even go together? I have no idea. Tina and I actually ate ramen, 99, 67 cent ramen last week. It was, it was incredible. Good to be back. Definitely gave me stomach problems. Okay. Next. Uh, the other thing I'm glad is not, that is, that is over is the fact that I'm not, anymore going to make boxes that are too heavy for my ass to carry watch just put less shit in the box james like what are we doing out here you're not that strong and you have back problems get over it you're 38 okay and the last thing that i'm not going to miss about packing is the sound of packing tape my friends that shit's obnoxious all right up next we got the boy Lloyd Alquist coming in. Now, there's some fun facts about Lloyd, and I'm going to ruin one right now. Uh, and one of my favorite fun facts about Lloyd Alquist is that he was a college gymnast. He may still be a gymnast today. I'm not sure what's happening on the other side of the camera. But the fact of the matter is that this boy was a full-on gymnast. And that got me thinking. Gymnasts do some really badass things. So it's like, what are my three favorite things that I love to watch whenever I watch like the Summer Olympics or the World Championships like that? Here's the three, the three things that I love to watch. First off, how are people doing flips on those balance beams? How is that exactly happening? I don't understand it. It seems horrific, but damn, is it impressive. All right, next. That cross thing on the rings? Are you kidding me with that? Give me those 90 degree angles. I'm here for that shit. Yes. Give me that cross. I'm going to ask Lloyd if he can do the cross. And if he can, I wanted to prove it. I sent some drop down rings to his crib. All right. Uh, <laughs> last but not least is literally anything done on the pommel horse. My friends, that's just fun to watch. I wonder if any of you all are like me. Do you ever just like jump into a chair and pretend you're on a pommel horse? You like jump on the toilet the wrong way. Just pretend all of a sudden you're like, oh, no. All right, cool. Next. <laughs> Last but not least, top three, top three. We had to do it, friends. My top three favorite episodes of epic rap battles of history. Now, here's the thing. I grew up watching this. And uh, and so this is something that came out and really kind of when I was in college, I started watching a ton of it. Um, and, and obviously after college and whatnot. And so like I, uh, I've just always loved epic rap battles of history. It's incredible. Uh, Hamilton, you were second. Next. <clears throat> so, uh, so here's the thing. My 
top three favorite episodes of all time. If you've never watched Epic Rap Battles of History, make sure you check it out on YouTube. First off, Eastern Philosophers versus Western Philosophers is an incredible episode, especially because I'm a counseling nerd and a life coach, but I'm here for all that. That was incredible. I didn't know which one to pick for number two, uh, which one to pick of the Hitler versus Vader series, but they're all outstanding, uh, just iconic. There's a reason why they've done multiple ones of them. And my favorite ERB episode of all time doesn't even really have Lloyd in it, which is kind of funny. He makes a cameo, but it's weak. Um, <laughs> Lloyd, I'm just playing. Um, but is the Albert Einstein versus Hawking, Stephen Hawking episode. It's one of my favorite ones all the time. There are 10 million, 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 million particles in the universe that you can observe. Your mama took them all and she put them into one nerd. Lloyd obviously making an appearance in there as Carl Sagan. So, my boy, I'm bringing him out here right now. I'm excited for you all to get to hang out with him. He's one of the co-creators of Epic Rap Battles of History. He himself has his own awesome rap career under the moniker Epic Lloyd. He's an incredible actor. He's been in SpongeBob SquarePants. But more importantly, he's just a badass dude to have a conversation with. And I'm proud to be able to call him my friend. Last week, we interviewed his wife, Josie, and this week, we got got the other half my man lloyd bringing him in what's up boy how you doing lloyd sorry dude just in this iron cross really fast uh <laughs> just chilling here in my gymnastics you got the package you got, got the package full package. <laughs> full package gymnastics my guy how we doing good man really good now did you did you do uh did you do the cross like the rings when you were when you were doing your gymnast thing? Did you have a specific thing that you did or what what was the move there, brother? I started okay, a couple things. Just let's talk gymnastics, let's not mess it up. Okay. So, yeah, please correct I me. I love when people talk about the iron cross because it's like the most signature move, right? Yes. But it's actually an easy move in terms of like the levels of difficulty out of sure. A, B, C, D, E, and super E, a, a cross is a B. So it's like okay. there's so these things that other they do that so much takes more so much more strength, but that shit is iconic. Secondly, so anyway, spread the, <laughs> spread the truth. Spread the truth. <laughs> Iron Cross, if you're listening right now, <laughs> you're not hard. Anybody who's talking gymnastics needs to do it right. All right, I'm tired of this. Um, I did I did all around a start in high school and in like uh in the, um like junior high and stuff and then when I got to college I started as an all arounder that means everything and mm -hmm. then you very quickly start to specialize in once you get there because it's like much more competitive and yeah like it it's like you cumulative with the points so like you have your top four guys on Palm Horse and your top four guys on this and then you only have two all arounders whose scores count so I ended up doing four events mostly. Uh, Palma Horse, your favorite, which maybe was my best. Um, Knew I liked you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, did, <laughs> I did Palma Horse, P bars, High Bar, and Floor, pretty much. That's those okay. And I didn't vault much, and I didn't do rings because, like, the guys who did rings, they look like wine openers. You know what I mean? They had like these tiny like arms and they just were like, and they had, and I have like, I'm the way my body is shaped, yeah. it just didn't work. I was much more like good at swinging, you know? Anyway. Yeah, sure. Got a little yeah. deep on the gymnastics there. I also don't understand. I mean, how often did gymnasts dislocate their shoulders? I mean, especially like when you think about some, of the, especially on the rings, right? Yeah, um, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, 
it's like your rotator cuffs. I always had good shoulders, thankfully, but it's probably because I didn't do rings that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Now, what uh, was that something you just did through college as a just like loved it? Way to get through kind of athlete helped you cover some costs and things like that. Or was it something that did you have bigger aspirations for the, in the gymnast world? Um, I mean, it definitely helped me go to school. It was a part yeah. of my selection process. They helped me get scholarships and stuff. And so that was a big part. It was like my identity then all through high school and junior high. I was just into, and it really was only four years, which goes by in a heartbeat nowadays. Mm -hmm. But back then it was like all my friends and at high school, it was like Lloyd, the gymnast. And that was kind of like a part of my identity, which made me feel like yeah. you know, special. You always want to feel unique. So I always knew I'd go to college and then there are certain things I knew I was going to do and be in the Olympics is like the biggest one you think about in gymnastics. And sure. I never really saw myself in the Olympics. I don't know why. I think I started late. I knew I had started late. They were kids who were uh, just better built for it than I was or yeah. better, you know. So anyway, I did it because I loved it. And But when I stopped doing it after like my, I busted my knees really bad. So after I stopped mm -hmm. doing it and then I started following and I'm sure we'll talk about improv. So I just started following improv it felt like life wanted me to do that. It was this weird feeling of like, I was getting hurt in gymnastics, banging my head against the door. Yeah. And then when I changed courses, it, like the whole road opened up. So I was relieved to stop, I guess I should say. Sure. Yeah. It, ha it had its time in your life and you're like, cool, that's dope. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, other that's people, fair. like most of the guys I did high, uh, college gymnastics with, about half of them just never left the gym and just were coaches. That's where they went because you can mm -hmm. coach and, like one of my best buddies has been coaching all over the world. He coaches in New Zealand and Singapore and, oh, and shoot. his wife. Yeah, they just travel from like camp to camp to camp um, because they both are coaches and they don't have kids. So they're just like, oh, here's the American coaches. And they bring them to wherever. Yeah, it's cool. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a beauty, right? When you have such a specialization and you've done, you've done so much work on it. I mean, the opportunity to turn into a coaching career makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of buddies that, that have played, you know, D1, D2, uh, you know, collegiate sports, and that's what they, that's the road that they followed now. Um, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, and, uh, but it, it's just, what's a, it's such a random thing. And I love, I love it. You're like, Oh, it's gymnast Lloyd, right? Like, I mean, moth, <laughs> if mafia movies have taught us anything, like you need a moniker like that right uh, <laughs> pommel horse jones pommel horse jones you rang sir <laughs> listen pommel horse i need you to take out spaghetti legs high bar <laughs> right away, sir. Yes. can you tell i haven't had too much social interaction with people lately yeah James? it's perfect it's perfect yeah yeah you just lock yourself up in your little cave back there Gosh. i love it it's funny when i met my uh when i met my uh, now in-laws um they uh, I met them outside of a Minnesota Twins game and they had learned that I was an Italian from New York and uh, and they kind of grew up in the suburbs of, of Minnesota and whatnot. And uh, apparently had seen a lot of movies so like, wait, hang on a second. You're dating an Italian from New York. All right, so he's in the mob. All right, great. So then they're like, they're like he's got to be connected. So like, all right, well, you know, they were like, apparently they had the whole conversation themselves about like, all right, well, what do you think his name is? Right, What's his right. name? Right. And so I walk up, I walk up first time meeting them and her mom is holding a sign, a cardboard <laughs> sign. And it says Jimmy Biscuits first twins game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how she knew me so well without knowing me at all. I freaking love biscuits. <laughs> like it biscuits works. are it religion. Works. It's so good. Biscuits. 
Jimmy so Biscuits. They knew your name was game. James Robolata, but yeah. they just they gave you the name Jimmy Biscuits. They gave me the name Jimmy Biscuits. That I said I love this family already. Yeah, I know. Knowing <laughs> Tina, I that that checks out. That checks yeah. out. Yep, exactly. I was like, all right, well, in long, check, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be a problem. Uh, here's a question for you. You're a New York guy. Do you call your in-laws mom and dad? Do I call my, yes, I do. Me too. Yeah, I do. So funny because my in-laws, who are they're the best people, they're probably watching now. Hi, Janet. Hi, Mike. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> Like they're from Wyoming and it's not really like that there. It's like mm-hmm. more you call them names. And I like, I had a talk with them. I was like, look, I want to call you mom and dad. I hope this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was like, it felt good. Cause my parents always called their like respective in-laws, mom and dad. And growing up, yeah. I thought it was cool. So it's a regional thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I can't. It actually, it's, it irks me to hear somebody else call like someone older by their first name. Like my parents raised me with an intense amount of respect. Like it was something my dad was a stickler about with my friends ever came over and called him John. He like sat them down. He's like, it's Mr. Robolata. Yeah. Right. Mr. Robo, maybe if you can't get through the whole name, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, but like it was very much, even to this day, whenever they introduced me, my parents introduced me to their friends. They say, this is Mr. Brooks. This is Mr. Abrams. Right. It's not like, and they're like, you can call me George. (laughs) Dude, I get it for sure. I love that. I always hate it when people call old people cute, like, Oh, look at my grandma. She's so cute. I'm like, Motherfucker, I've been through World War II. Yeah. That's me cute. Stop calling me cute. 97 years. Oh, sorry. But like, I'm 97 years old over here. Oh, yeah, God. right. I was born in Chernobyl. What you done? <laughs> cute. I walked through Chernobyl with bare feet. <laughs> I invented the third eye. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that, yeah, that, uh, that, 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 that idea of respect uh, was something that my dad hammered into me. It was something that, when, when I was younger, it was annoying, right? Because it was a little bit like, a little bit was like, yo, dad, just be cool, right? Like, I'm trying to like, like, this is my friends. And it's definitely one of those things that I did not understand until I got older. And now I'm glad for it. But in the moment, it's just like, just roll with the punch, dad. Um, and he's like, no. Um, and uh, yeah, it's now something that I, I understand and I respect as well and will probably pass on. Uh, but in the moment, it was definitely like the, oh, dad, loose it up. <laughs> hate you, dad. Never has to be born. <laughs> when you introduce, uh, like say somebody who's older than you introduces themselves as like Bill. Do you yeah. feel like you want to call them Mr. Whatever? You know what I mean? I, yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Especially like, I mean, if I ever, uh, like I've played golf with Tina's grand grandfather um, here a couple of times. Uh, and, uh, and there's been a moments where like he introduces me to, uh, to his friends and they, you know, they're 70, 80 years old. I played with this guy who was 89 and he shot his age on the golf nice. course, which is crazy. I that's good. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's really good. Yep. Um, <laughs> especially at 89. And, uh, and so, uh, but yeah, but he was like, name's Rick. I was like, I I don't know if it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know yeah. I can't. Yeah. I'm nervous. It was pretty much sir the rest of the round. That's yeah, pretty much right. it. Sir and sir and ma'am and all the way around. <laughs> There's something nice when you say yes, ma'am, it feels right sometimes. It feels like you're yes. doing someone a sign of respect and you like, mm-hmm. hell yeah. It feels it feels like old fashioned but good. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but ma'am, ma'am gets you in trouble way quicker than sir does, though. Ma'am, yeah. ma'am will get you in trouble way quicker. There's some people are like, how old do you think I am? I was like, oh, God, I'm in a corner. This is awkward. <laughs> Run away. Run away. <laughs> You're hot. Can I say that? I don't even know what's happening. This is weird. Okay. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. For sure. <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting uh, for segue, Lord. Um, yeah, right. You know, in thinking about being the bad guy. Um, <laughs> speaking of bad guys. Speaking of bad guys. Uh, <laughs> You um, uh, frequently in uh, in the epic rap battles of, of of history series, you frequently find yourself on what I would consider the antagonist side of things. Yeah, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm uh, in the duo, nice Peter and Epic Lloyd. I'm I'm typically the prickly side of the Velcro. Yeah, there you go. Well done. <laughs> uh, that's what I call my beard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, um, but it's interesting because that takes, it's an art form to play someone who's a dick, right? Like when you watch people who are great villains, right? You know, obviously, most recently, uh, you think about the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you think about some other iconic individuals, um, even the way Michael B. Jordan, even though he wasn't actually a villain, it's kind of cool. Like in Black Panther, there were no real, um, were no real villains, but many people would consider him to be the one. But like the way that he played it was incredible. Um, and, uh, and so you kind of uh, it's it's a specific art form. And I'm wondering, was that something that when you and when you and Peter got together, was that something where you're like, hey, like, I'm probably going to like your, your name's already nice, Peter. So, like, I think that's kind of set. Um, but like, how did that how did that come about or just kind of did it work out? Was it like, ah, you kind of look more like Hitler. I look more like Vader. So, like, you're like, well, like how did it go down? Yeah, uh, I mean, it definitely it was never like a, it was never a conscious decision it was never like well at the beginning maybe now based on the history of it more but it was never like from the start you do this you do this yeah um but i think it's a little bit about the people that pete and i are i think i have a little bit more of a anger base sometimes which helps with a villain and also i love all those like movies like i love i don't watch comedy i don't watch lighthearted stuff as much as i like you know uh, Silence of the Lambs or Terminator or like or it or these I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I connect with the characters more than like Austin Powers or I, I always thought that stuff was kind of corny. <laughs> yeah, um, but Pete loves it. So yeah, I, I think it's about like a, the person that we are a little bit the energy. But yeah. Pete has played bad guys before. Sure, he just does it in a different way. And the other thing about Pete that's great is that I can play that bad guy and he's good enough to not disappoint on the good guy side. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. if I'm the bad guy and just looking like a, like a star, like wiping the floor with these <laughs> other characters, I think that's a, sends a bad message, but Pete can pull off the Jim Henson's like, I can't, I could never pull off Jim Henson. Like he's got like, a, I'd watch it. He's got like a, I, <laughs> uh, I do have a Jim Henson puppet over there, but uh, I'll that's cool. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the second segment. Yeah. Um, Actually, Stanley, my bad. Stanley. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no worries. That's awesome, dude. Do you, I mean, in, in approaching, the world is an antagonist, right? Is someone who is designed to spark emotions in individuals that we are taught 
aren't healthy, but yet we actually know are, right? Like anger, rage are actually really important emotions to know how to deal with. For you, um, do you in do you enjoy that art form of like having to walk that fine line of like, Hey, like I want to make this character like respected and not just this, like the biggest dick out there. Like, what is that? Like what's going through your brain in some of those moments? Yeah. Like I, when it's like writing about like the president or the election battle is like some people, including myself is just not a fan of Trump. I, I think he's a bad person. I think he's a pig, but I don't play him like I hate him. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way I can justify it is like, I think that like you want Rocky to beat Drago, like full on steroid at his prime Drago. Yes, his, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for me, um, I don't think you want to, you don't want like a drugged Drago. You know what I mean? So you yeah. got to do him justice and then you got to beat him with the side that you like. Uh, and you got to do it as an MC, and I think that is the only way to get respect from both sides, if I could say that. Yeah, no, hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that like, I justify it as as it's cowardly any other way, almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do the uh, the art form service. Doesn't do the doesn't do the audience any favors. Um, yeah, or the absolutely. characters. You know, like it started yeah. early with like the Hitler. Even as Hitler, we were like, are we gonna do a Holocaust joke? Oh my god! But it's like, how can you do Hitler and not say that? It's more disrespectful to the people, the millions of people who suffered in the Holocaust to like just it, never say it. Yeah. That's awful. Right. And then you put Hitler in carbonite and kill him. Naturally. Better. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we have standards here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you do an incredible job at it. Uh, it's just so fascinating. I think for me, the reason why I asked that question is because I have my Achilles heel in life is that I have a deep desire to be liked. Right. Yeah. And like and that's something that it drives a lot of what I do and my behavior and the way I interact with individuals um, for better or worse. Let me make sure it's on both sides. Um, but so it's interesting because even in uh, even in the plays that I've been in, uh, oftentimes in improv scenes that I've been in, like I'm skewing towards like a wacky guy or like maybe I'm the maybe I am playing more of a straight man, um, but it's not necessarily on the antagonist side, like the the uh, the jerk side. Side of things um and so it's just so it's i have a lot of respect for individuals that can play that part really well mm -hmm. because i just have this like weird thing that's in my own psyche right like this desire to be liked that i think gets in my way and it, i think it makes me appreciate people who can play those things even more um, because i get in my own way i feel that like i think i have a desire to be liked as well i just think i've discovered that people like awful people <laughs> You know, yeah people like the villain like where's batman without joker like where is uh you know the losers club without pennywise there's that villain is the is the best part a lot of times uh but yeah i feel that i yeah. feel that <clears throat> no that's real that's real um it's interesting because you know you mentioned that like you still have this just desire uh this desire to be liked um and uh how does that show up for you like where does where does that where does that come in i think um um i'm not sure like it manifests itself in like 
if somebody's waiting on me, I'm really uncomfortable. Or if I have to make a decision that somebody else doesn't agree with and I have to stick to it, I feel like I, I let that go a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it might be in that. And I think it might also be like, I don't know if it's about being liked myself, but like I am a conflict. I'm like a middle child type thing. Like I diffuse, I'm good at diffusing the situations. Yeah. I'm good. I'm a people person. And I think that's because I can say, I don't know. I can say the right thing to a stranger or whatever to like be the person they need me to be in a situation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that, I think it's probably deeper rooted than that as to why I do yeah, that. Yeah. But I think that's how it manifests itself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, yeah, just playing, uh, sometimes playing that schmoozer, right? Making sure that people around you feel, feel comfortable, feel wanted, feel safe, feel heard, feel seen, right? I yeah. really, I'm really sensitive to if something is making someone's uncomfortable. I'm, I, can, I can tell that. And I want to solve that. I think yeah. that's me. Like, I want to make sure that person is okay. Rather than just sitting there in the uncomfortableness, be like, "Yeah, let him wait," or whatever it is. Any of those things. <laughs> You're earning your stripes right now, yeah, kid. Yeah, right. Sit in it. <laughs> Stay there in the taxi. <laughs> Jimmy biscuits. Jimmy, Bis Jimmy biscuits. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. I think that's. Uh, I think it's incredible, Lloyd, that uh, that you mentioned that because. As someone who follows you as a, as a friend and also as a fan, um, it is uh, it's really cool to watch the way that you show up for people, right? And I think like you know it goes back to your disraps for hire um, and some of that stuff. Like you've kind of always defended uh, the the underdog, the little guy, the person who's being picked on, right? Like trying to punch bullying in the face, um, which is really cool. But it's it's been really awesome to watch the way you showed up here in 2020 as well. Right. Like, you know, with the black lives matter movement, I mean, you've been, I mean, I don't know how many days consecutively you marched in LA, um, but I mean, you were out there posting about it, doing the right thing, getting horse. Um, right. And, uh, and, and really putting yourself out there. And that's, that's interesting because I mean, you and I, uh, you and I both uh, love some hip hop and been known to spit a bar or two. Um, and, uh, and, and as, as, as white folks, you know, where we're swimming with a little bit of cultural appropriation with that, right? Where we, we get to take advantage of an art form that we didn't create, um, but one that we have a deep amount of respect for, right? Like your, I mean, your your hip hop knowledge is, I, mean, I would put it up against most. Um, and so it's not like you're like, this will be a fun gimmick. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba. <laughs> hey, boots and cats and boots and cats, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like that, right? Like hip hop is in is in is in your blood, and uh, and so uh, so it's been. So I'm curious for you, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, and you you've been vocal before. This wasn't the first time you weren't like, oh, oh, this is a thing, okay, um, right? Like you've been vocal before, but I'm curious, like, how did it feel this year for you to kind of be out there and especially, um, you know, especially as someone who is followed by others, like, were you, were you having to have conversations with people who are posting stuff and responding? Like, were you kind of getting all sorts of responses or like, what was, what was that experience like for you? Um, it was pretty surreal, man. I've never been through something like that as close to home as this really was. There yeah. was, um, you know, the marches took place, two, three blocks from my business in Santa Monica. There was marches. There was also looting there. There was cops there. Right up the street from me is Pico and Fairfax, which there was like a, a bunch of protests, but also like some 
like they were setting cars on fire and stuff. So mm -hmm. it was very visceral in terms of like you could feel the you could feel the mix of emotion and the rage in the air and it was it was it felt like uh i didn't it's like get swept up in a wave like i didn't really know what to feel about it i just knew i should be there yeah you know? <clears throat> and then in terms of you know when you're dealing with a lot of people especially on the internet like you, you're gonna have people who have different points of view on everything and you can either pander and try to please everybody or at mm -hmm. a certain point you just have to let people know where you stand and i felt like we had to do that even in, in the smallest ways that we did even just putting a banner on facebook or on or on uh, youtube or posting on uh instagram or something it's just like look man this is where we are on this if yeah. you can't be if you can't rock with us be, and then this then like yeah we probably weren't going to be friends anyway so you know. <laughs> right um it was it was yeah so it was it was power and then going out and doing some of the marches that happened a couple of days later i just felt like very it was so weird i felt very proud of the not myself but of the people that were there most of them were younger than me there was high school kids there with like bullhorns and signs and stuff and i found myself like like we were walking down the street on culver boulevard and like and the, and this young girl was like in the street in the street and part of me was like I probably shouldn't walk in the street. You know, it's not really safe. And then I see these 17 year old kids just walking out in the middle of traffic for this thing that they believe in. And I'm like, you better get out in that goddamn street. And so like, <laughs> yeah, I was, like getting out there and I was like, felt like I felt like not parental, but like just proud to be like, I I'm, I'm with them, you know? So it was cool. It was moving. It was very moving. Yeah, that's how it felt. It's kind of cool. Also, I mean, uh, I mean, we're we're not old, but we're not seventeen year olds, right? Like, yeah. um, and it's been that was one of the one of one of the most moving parts of the experience for me was being around that energy, right, and that youth. And like, I still consider myself a young kid, and I don't ever really think I'm the age I am. But that's has to deal with my lack of maturity. Um, but <laughs> but still, um, like, there was just this beautiful energy that was occurring, right? Like when we were walking around the streets in Minneapolis. And like you said, like I had that emotion also there's a huge road here called Hiawatha. And, uh, and it was like, I was like, Oh shoot, we're stopping traffic on Hiawatha. Like, this is crazy. Like, like I drove this, I drive this route every time to the airport. Like this is nuts. Um, and, uh, but it was also just like this beautiful energy of like, no, hell yeah, we're doing this and let's, mm -hmm. let's go. Um, but it was, uh, it was super incredible and inspiring to be around that energy as well. And, and I love how you put it earlier where you're just like, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do there, but I knew I needed to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt too. Like, I mean, you know, I was, I would say that I would say the chance while we were marching, but I also just did a lot of listening. Right. And just a lot of just like, this is, this is really, it's for a super messed up reason. Um, but it's really special. Um, it's and important. It's history. And, it was yes. history in the making. Yeah, I saw things. I saw iconic things. You know that you see in the newspaper, mm -hmm. and you know the National Guard like kneeling with the crowd was like a beautiful moment. And like, yeah, sitting in the middle of the street and just looking headlights straight on. You know, and like looking around you and just being like, "Wow, I'm here." It was cool. It was yeah. cool. And I hope it. You know, I hope it lasts. I know these things don't happen overnight, mm -hmm. but like, I hope that the exposure and the focus on that and those particular issues, 
it makes a step forward. You know, I think it will. I think it already has. Sure. But you try to make that step as long and as big as you can, you know, until mm -hmm. the next one happens. Yeah. Uh, and who knows how long that'll be. Right. Yeah. Woven into the fabric of the future yeah. um, and not just this cool moment where, you know, yeah, we changed a couple laws that needed to get changed. But like, how is the conversation changed? How are we talking to people differently? And, and honestly, how are we listening to people differently? Um, I think that's, you know, most people in life are more interested in being right than they are in what is right. right. Um, and in this case, I think this is a. Uh, you know, this is a moment where a lot of people are learning what is right. And it's pretty, it's pretty special. I hope so. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, it's been dope. It's been dope to see you out there. Um, and, uh, and, and to see the, the work that you have been doing, we're doing, have been doing, continue to do. Um, it's, uh, it's beautiful, man. And just, uh, I mean, the thing is, is that when it comes to uh, when when you get to a certain level of popularity, like image matters, the I mean, image matters at whatever level of it. But at some point in time, and we see this all the time with companies that are making statements that are trying to toe the line. And you're just like this reeks of bullshit. And it's fascinating also because there was an interesting tie in with the way you talk talked about playing some antagonists to the way you're talking about this as well, where it's like, listen, if you're not down, like this is who I am, right? I'm coming with it. And this is the information and you're probably going to love me more for it because authenticity sells. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's super fascinating uh, to think about that. And the fact that y'all made the choice, knew this was right. And we're just like, nah, this is, this is what we're doing. I mean, it was, it, yeah, it's a no brainer. You know? yeah. And I hope that also too, like the hardest part I think is when you talk about listening, yeah, you have to listen to, uh, you know, the people who would agree with you, but you also have to listen to people who don't, and you can't just shut your mind. And it's so hard to do that because sometimes the things you hear people say are just preposterous. But I, I, I also find that like using like finger pointing and you suck in all that language that we want to say also just pushes us farther apart so like the yeah. listening i think comes not only from people you agree with but you also have to listen to people you don't agree with mm -hmm. uh and i think that's harder but just as as, as important yeah hell yeah hell yeah dude um <clears throat> yeah i agree just as important for sure um uh so yeah beautifully put so um it's interesting, man, because uh, in thinking about uh, in thinking about where your uh, where your career is going and what you've been building on, right? You've done all these cool things. You've been a part of all these awesome projects and whatnot. Um, and uh, I know that you have the, you have your obviously your Epic Lloyd channel where you put out a lot of your own albums. You put a released an EP recently um, and have been putting out a lot of work um, as well. And so, uh, what is it like? What is it like to try to create your own thing when you have something that is doing so well? Like, does that take the pressure off of uh, off of you? It's like, well, I got this, so that's cool. Or is there any like it, it's weird, like this almost internal resentment between your two projects? Like, is there ever anything like that? Like, what, what's that experience been like? I think it's exactly what you'd think. You know, it's like when it's like when the Beatles play their new stuff. You know, you're like, just play you know whatever their songs are uh whatever yeah i can't think of one beatles song right now <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's like a much smaller and i do have my own channel which i've always been pretty uh good about just posting my own stuff but people 
want to hear rap battles. Like if I go on the road and I say, hey, it's Epic Lloyd and I don't do rap battles and it's going to be rough for me. But I think I've embraced that and I've been, I've, I've like come to terms with that of being like, if this is the biggest thing I ever do, then that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have to do it. I have to do this other music. It's the thing that allows me to do the funny stuff. I, I have to do, because I use rap and music as like, more than an expression of comedy and more than an expression of jokes. So even if people, you know, don't like it, which they do, they do on my channel, all, all things are very, very positive. Yes. I think it's more when I meet people in person, like 99% of them are going to know me from rap battles first, which I'm super proud of. But then there's a smaller percentage of people that really dig this stuff that I do. So I like, I like doing it, but I'd probably do it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to do it. I've always done it. I got books and books and books and um, like lyrics and lyrics. and. But I think I'm doing some of the best stuff I've ever done. You know, like I, all the work on rap battles and all the training and all the knowledge that I've gone through. And then this year has forced me to do so much more just on my own because I'm not able to go to the studio or do things. So I think all those skills have been funneling into this work. So like the last thing I put out is one of the things, best things I've ever done, which is this project that like I had all these different MCs from all over the world. And like we all told this sort of first person account of the lockdown so far kind of day by day and mm -hmm. I, I was super proud of it and it was less about the writing and the rapping i did and more about being able to express myself as a musical project on a whole and being like this is the this is the, the vision i now on my own have the ability to put this together i don't need this person i don't need that person as much and then i use those mixers and the editors and stuff as like the polish and the end but the vision i'm able to see it through through which is like really satisfying yeah yeah, hell yeah. yeah, yeah. It's your it's your baby from the from the uh, conception of the idea all the way to the finished product. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's dope. I love the one line from the second rapper. Um, he said, uh, he said, I've been sitting on this couch so long, I'm feeling home homicidal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's dope. Wow. Um, yeah, a, a sick project for sure. The uh, but it's so interesting because you are, um, uh, that's my new favorite phrase, by the way. I say interesting a lot now, it's awesome. <laughs> interesting is the longest word that means literally nothing, right? <laughs> like, interesting is never more than a five, never less than a five yeah like, exactly. <laughs> like if someone tells a joke that sucks you could say interesting interesting bad yeah exactly yep <laughs> someone makes you a plate of food that you think is disgusting you're like interesting yeah but it's so i've been a uh i've been i've been a professional speaker for uh, you know 10 something years uh 10 something that's a phrase people say and um <laughs> so for, you weren't old james yeah i know i'm great i'm doing great thanks uh for uh but yeah but for 10 some odd years and uh it's in the beginning the vocal pauses were ums uhs like so's and now there's all these new phrases yeah. that my body has concocted yeah uh, and and one of them is like every time i transition like oh this is so interesting because uh or i say all that to say which literally means nothing and you're like just like <laughs> just all this I, fluff <laughs> i love that though like i did the same thing and i'm sure you discovered that about yourself by watching yourself i'm opening a bottle uh, of time by the way everybody um i'm sure you discovered that by watching yourself because i did the same thing and you're like how many times can i say um in one dang hour <laughs> like it, you sound so ridiculous and then you'll never say it again and not notice you do it um I did the same thing whenever I would, 
like in going back to gymnastics or even improv, the first thing I would always do with people as they were on an improv team was make them watch their own shows and it made them squirm so awfully, but like <laughs> they got so good so fast. Uh, yeah. So yeah, hell yeah. I remember when I was starting out, I joined, I joined uh, the, the university that I worked at had something called the Toastmasters Club. And yeah. uh, it's a public speaking, whatever uh, organization that's worldwide. And and so we had it on our campus. And one of the roles every meeting is you'll have a couple of people that give speeches and their speeches are seven minutes long, never, never anything more. And, and everybody has a role. You got the timer, you got the, this and the that. And then one of the persons, literally their title is the um counter. Wow. And so... Yeah, and that's their their job is to is to count vocal pauses and 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 whatever they are. And yeah. my very first speech I gave seven minutes. I said um forty seven times. Oh, God. And I was I had already been like I had I had already been getting paid to speak at that point too. I was like maybe two or two years into the career, and, and I was like. Yeah. Oh no! Yep. <laughs> I was like, I'm yep. sending checks back to schools. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm gonna prorate you for the ums. <laughs> the same way, like you, you do a lot of freestyle, like count the times that you say some expletive or, or like uh, some, some like random set of words that you buy time with. Like mine used to always be like coming through. I'm Lord and I'm coming through, and it's just like, like buying yourself time. Yeah. So you can get to the other one. So, speaking of Toastmasters. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, brother. Uh, for sure. <laughs> What's uh, yeah, I say, uh, I say, you know me a lot. You know me. And uh, whenever I rap, you know me coming through with the. <laughs> you know me. Jimmy, what did you call some Jimmy Biscuits? If you don't Jimmy rap, Biscuits. Jimmy Biscuits. What are you doing? What are you doing? What, what are you actually what doing with happening? your life? <laughs> Cancel the show. No more Diner Talks. Jimmy Biscuits EP coming out in April. Unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome to the Jimmy Biscuit. Is it a cooking show? Jimmy Biscuits? <laughs> it's a little everything, I think. <laughs> it's a little everything. <laughs> I'd have to have a, I'd have to have a little Southern swag to the rap, though, like a Slim Thug tone or something like right, that. Right, right. Yeah, let's keep it in the pocket, like uh, three stacks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you said that before, like my hip-hop knowledge. I think I know how to make music but gosh i can't recite lyrics worth anything and i can't like n remember names to songs or i'm terrible with stats like people always quote me rap lyrics and stuff and be like you know that guy from this i'm like yeah i'm <laughs> never i'm so bad at that it's like my worst like flaw yeah you can't recall it but you know it like i mean you grew up listening to hip-hop yeah but i can't i could listen like i i can't tell you the words to my favorite song like I, I literally don't. I just they just don't stay there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Meanwhile, songs that I listened to when I was seven, of course, the, every single word is there. But now, I like to think it's because I'm so smart that there's no more room left in my brain. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think that that is actually the deal. Yeah, I think the movie Inside Out taught me that, right? Where you like push one thought out, it's like a little ball that goes away, and then a new ball comes up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's backed up by science. <laughs> Yeah, Disney Pixar. Told me. Disney, yeah, Disney Pixar. Told me, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> son and the the Holy Walt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you've been uh, you've been doing the the rap battles for some time, and it's it it is uh, it's cool to keep doing. Uh, the same thing and to keep finding life and new energy. And obviously you're always asking listeners to, to kind of like shout some stuff out as far as, you know, like, Hey, you know, who, who's next, you decide um, and things like that. So 
for you, there are some times that I think individuals get bored very quickly with projects that they're working on. And it's yeah. very easy for them to get bored and they're kind of on to the next one. Like I know people who are serial entrepreneurs and like, ah, I started my first business and then I did that so I could start this one and this one. And they never, they never see a business all the way through, right? It's like they, they started their jam business so they can move on to their, you know, pickles and then move on, whatever. Like they got and now, and now they're into stocks or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. so they keep it moving. How do you how do you keep smashing the refresh button so that you're coming out with the innovative stuff that you all do? Um, to be honest, if it wasn't as successful as it was, I might have kept moving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, okay. Because yeah. they're not really successful, but this was really working. <laughs> um, and it was giving me the opportunity to do lots of other things. And I think that's how I've always done it is, like the reason why I make my own music and the reason why I did things like, you know, Epic Studios or the theater or like any or like any of these live shows is the rap battles is the like main coal in the engine, or should I say the main panel on the solar panel? Mm. Um, mm, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think it I do a lot of other things on the side and those things help me not get sick of just rap battles. I think if I did only had to do only rap battles, I think that I would suffer. And I think also that those videos would suffer too. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. What's one of your, uh, what's one of your guilty pleasure projects on the side? Like one that you're like, I don't even give a shit if nobody likes this, but like, this was just super fun. And like, maybe it didn't even do whatever well is, um, but you're just like, I just freaking love this. And then this was, this was super fun to work on. I mean, I think it was a, the, this last video I put out this thing. I called it uh 2020 phase one. And it was just, it is, it's like 10, 11 minutes long. It's really long. <clears throat> I'm not in it that much. Um, but it was really just like, it wasn't like super fun, but it felt like, <clears throat> like what you were saying before, like as a white guy who does rap in the year 2020, in the midst of everything that's happening, like what the hell do I have to rap about? Like what's my voice worth? And it's serious like because I usually rap about things that are like important to me or things that kind of made me mad or like like struggles, you know, any of that normal stuff or like things that make me happy. But they all seemed sort of petty this year. But I still had to like I still had to make stuff. Actually, Josie told me she Josie said, you know, you um, you know, a lot of people and you, you're good at bringing people together. You should bring people together. And that was what I used as like the voice that I had was like and that's why it was so like fun and joyous. It was stressful, but it was also like joyous. Yeah. Uh, because it felt like I had something to contribute in a place where it was difficult for me to find that target. Mm-hmm. It was nice to make it, make the target be other people in a way. I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do for the second one. Cause now we're going to do the second one. We'll see what happens. Now we can do- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to remember the deadline for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Minneapolis for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's cool, dude. That's awesome. I think, I think the, uh, we often put so much pressure on ourselves as creatives that like this next thing's got to be big or this next thing's got to be the whatever. And we put, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I know it's something that I'm very guilty of. I mean, and you know this because I interviewed you for a podcast that I, that I did a number of years ago. 
and I mentioned this on, on an earlier episode, like I recorded eight episodes of a podcast and never saw the light of day. You were literally my first ever podcast episode. It was on a whim. We were in a hotel in San Diego uh, and uh, we're like, hey, you know what the most beautiful place is on earth? Inside a hotel in San Diego. And so, uh, and so, <laughs> and so we went in there and uh, but it was one of those things where it's like I never let it see the light of day because I didn't think it was good enough. And I didn't think I didn't trust it. And there were there were just a few things that were wrong. And instead of instead of recognizing that this is going to be a project, they're like, these are six episodes of what if it catches or if you like doing it will wind up being 100 or 200 or whatever. Right. Like a number of episodes like. But I let that that was enough for me to like punch that idea in the face and be like, nah, you're not good enough. Know your place. Get back on the back burner, which is where you'll always stay. And mm-hmm. uh, and your wife loves to know me on um, about that. I was like, where's that podcast? Where's that podcast? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think, I think that like, I, I feel you like I, those feelings of being like, you're not good enough or you're suck. Or you should be on the back burner like that. None of that's good. But I do think that being uh, um, picky about what you put out there is a good thing. I think it's good to be selective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think many, and a lot of like young creators will ask me about this stuff. And I mean, I can't speak to those guys that upload three times a week and they just bomb through all that stuff. And they, there's people who have massive success that way. I just can't really speak to that. But what I can speak to is like, I have, f- I, we have 500 songs that are in, never will see the light of day. We have so many verses of rap battles that will never see the light of day. Yeah. Jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes. And there's this attitude now sometimes in like the entertainment business. And especially when it's like not um, in LA or New York sometimes <laughs> that like yeah. hey, it's all good just do it just get it out there while sometimes it's like no because i bet you you would say that this version of what you're doing now is better than that podcast and if this is your first foray into podcasting you might as well show the best one right so i don't know i'm always like i'm always torn on that because i think it is good to have uh it is good to be picky sometimes yeah like i probably shouldn't have worn this hat I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but. (laughs) 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 I get, I get on my soapbox about that stuff. Sometimes I think sometimes there's, there is a propensity sometimes for there to be too much squishiness and people are too injured by real honesty and critique when it comes to something that they might, that that person might really dearly love. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people get crushed too easily these days. But I sound now I sound real old. Now I sound <laughs> really old. But, but I, I mean, said that, I mean, yeah. Oh, go ahead. You go. No, well, I was going to say. I mean, I, I, I'm, to a certain extent, I agree with you. I think in general we need to be better at feedback, um, right, and listening to each other. Absolutely. Um, I think we also need to be better at discerning what is what is feedback we want and what a feedback that we don't. I think a lot of people just ask for a blanket of feedback and instead of asking for the kind of feedback that they want, right? Like, I mean, if you don't, if you don't tell me that you want me to look at this or look for that, and I come in with some feedback about something you didn't want feedback on, then like, that's on you as far as I'm concerned, because you didn't communicate what you needed in that moment, but this is something I saw. And so I think there is, uh, I, I think, and I know that's, 
I don't know. I have some friends that definitely would consider me like the Simon Cowell of, of judges for some of those things where it's like, yeah. no, I'm giving, I'm giving you the whole feedback. Like you can be better. And so I'm coming in hard with this. Um, yeah. And, and not, and not everybody's ready for that. And also that's on me to ask, are you ready for that sometimes? Yeah. Um, like, what do you need from me right now? But, uh, but I agree that there is, that there is a, a certain sense of, I like how you put squishiness. I mean, I, I mean, I see myself in that in many ways. And, uh, and so, so I appreciate that, uh, that, that I guess the way that you put that, but I think it's still interesting because you need to have discernment for what you put out there. Um, but there's also something to be said for the people that are just like, no, this is, this is freaking great. Like I have, I have a buddy of mine who's got the work ethic of an ox and he has put out so many cool projects and spent a lot of money on it and done some really awesome things. And I'm just like, when did you get out of your own way to be like, fuck it, I'm doing this, right? Like there's some beauty in that where it's just like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to put out to the world. And this is it, right? There's part of me that, that sometimes holds myself back where it's like, ah, it's not good enough. I don't know if you're going to get enough blank or enough this or whatever. Or, you know, it's like when I first wrote my, my first book, um, as soon as I finished the first book, I literally started the second one the next week and sent out an email to a few people be like, Hey, my book's out. I mean, I didn't market it because I didn't think it was good enough. Right. right? Like right. there's a line in there somewhere where you got to see it through, right? Like you were just talking about with rap battles where it's like, we just, you know, obviously it caught and it hooked and it got fire and that helps. Um, but, uh, but still, um, like, like, yeah, but you got to see it through. Comfortable. Yes. I, 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 I hate that too. I don't, like it's uncomfortable. It is part of the business, but it is uncomfortable. And I wish like, you know, because in a lot of, you expect that once you get to a certain point and you, mm-hmm. or you hope that when you get to a certain point, like you're not the guy selling your CD out of your trunk anymore. It's like somebody else is selling your CD out of their trunk. And you're like, yeah. can I just be the guy who writes the book? And then I go write my other book because I'm a writer. I'm not a PR agent. There's just like this time, like, it's like, the ultimate goal is somebody else does it, but until you get there, yeah, you got to do this thing. But I'm with you. I I have a hard time being like, look at me, look at me, look at me, like, <laughs> hey, look at this. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. People just are like the reason I have a hard time with it is because how it makes me feel when I witness somebody else doing it. Mm-hmm. It makes me uncomfortable for them, yeah. and I, I maybe it's misplaced for me, but it just feels like cringy of like ah. But then there's some people who do it right and it's a delicate thing of like i don't know just coming at it in a different way or giving incentives in a different way that like it it, it almost like legitimizes it so i think it's part of the business but it's not my favorite part yeah yeah for sure but i mean in terms of in terms of keeping the quality up though like it's hard to tell it's hard to tell uh whether it's going to be up to snuff or not but yeah that's why you keep people honest around you you know yeah, but actually, but actually, yeah, for sure. I want to dive in, uh, dive in a little bit deeper into that, brother. Yeah. Oh, not these two again over here. Okay, all right, break it up, you two. I don't find this here now. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You're not smiling now, are you? All right. Apparently, we're getting a little bit too deep there. Um, <laughs> triggered. I'm triggered. Oh, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, shoot, brother. So uh, that means that we got to jump into a segment here, brother. We got a sh- uh, we got a segment here on the show that is called uh, that is called things you didn't know about me, but are now glad that you do. Uh, okay. Please note that the name of the segment changes every episode, um, but it's the same <laughs> same idea. We're gonna bounce stuff back and forth on each other. I'll go first uh, since I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but just random facts about ourselves that other people didn't necessarily know. Sounds, so, sounds good. All right. First, first off, for me, I had dinner with uh, my uh, my in law grandparents tonight, and we were talking about Scotland. And my uh, my wife and I got to go to Scotland. Tina and I went to Scotland a few years ago with my parents. It was a special trip. But one of the most cool things that we did, one of the most badass things we did, is we got to do falconry. No way. No. And we literally got to like catch in, like I had to, you know, the big long glove, and I got to catch the owl um, and wow. feed it a feed it a baby chick. Um, and, uh, and then like you got the Falcons that go out and they come back and, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was incredible. Did you have an owl or a Falcon? So we had, uh, they, they bust out like all these different birds all the way from like a tiny owl. This like little adorable dude that had a little beard. So, you know, I was with it and, uh, all the way to this big ass, uh, this big ass, like barn. It wasn't a barn owl. It was like, a, but just this giant owl. There's probably at least three feet tall. Um, the thing was crazy. And then they had, uh, there was a golden Eagle also, what? which has they're a huge, they're, they're huge, so dude. Big. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was one of those times where I was really glad that I was a big guy because not everybody got to, like, try to catch the golden eagle. But he was like, get over here, you tree trunk. <laughs> <laughs> now all my stuff sounds super boring compared to that. <laughs> now I got to think of something else. Yes, I won. <laughs> <laughs> cross this off. Cross this off. Yeah, I'm left-handed. Isn't that great? I would have caught the hawk with my left hand. <laughs> oh, That's amazing. How much does that cost to do? It was uh, it was like around a hundred pounds. It was not. I mean, it wasn't That's crazy. Right. It was like yeah, it was right. a couple of hours, and yeah. they uh, they teach you about all the birds too, and then uh, and then you actually go for a walk with one, and this like falcon follows you around. Uh, it was kind of cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What do I have now? Shoot. Um, okay. This is a story. I don't know if I saved anybody's life, but, um, and I don't know if this is appropriate, but like being drunk, I think saved some people's life one time. Like, okay. I, uh, and excuse me for the kids. Uh, but like I had, I was at the, the theater, westsidecomedy.com. And, uh, you know, sometimes we stay late and we have a few beers or whatever. And I was responsibly taking an Uber home and we're driving, uh, east on the 10 highway 10. Yep. Sure. And like, I'm in the back of the Uber and this is before COVID and everything. So I'm just like BSing with the guy and like all of a sudden, and there's not a lot of people on the road. All of a sudden we roll up on this car and it's in the middle of this five lane highway on its side. And like, we're like the first on the scene and it's just on its side. And we're like, what the hell? Cause you couldn't see what it was at first. It's like three in the morning. So we were like, what is this? And then the, the, the driver like starts to pull over to the left of the road. And as we're pulling past the car into the shoulder, I just look over and there's like five kids just like, like standing with their hands on the windshield, you know, like, cause it's, but it's sideways. Yeah. So they're like this. And I'm just like, we gotta get, and at the same time, he's like, do you mind if I stop? I'm like out the door. Cause I'm like, <laughs> Four drinks in, and I'm like, Whoa, I'm just running down the door. I'm like, you get through the car. And I'm like, just running down the street with my hands up. And I like stop like five lanes of traffic. 
And then in a second, I got real sober real fast. Like, what are you doing? And I just like stood my ground. And then like five, 10 minutes later, the cops came and all that stuff. But I was like stopping all this traffic and like moving them and everything. So like, that's my superhero moment. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks to IPA. That's, that's incredible. I mean, like everybody wanted to be fine with an old car. Like they were good. Like now. Everybody was fine. Everybody was fine. They had to like, pull them out of the um passenger side window like yeah and out and over and then like they pushed the car over but yeah it was crazy they were all fine i don't know i never found out why they crashed or what there was only one car that was yeah. the weird thing they, were, they didn't hit anything they just must have fucking sorry they like swerved and flipped or something yeah know. sure yeah. So I'm wow, pretty dude. awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, good luck with your Falcons. The Falcons, they probably couldn't have saved those kids. Moral of the story <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. We definitely should have uh, told those two stories like second. But because yeah, yeah. I now have... Uh, I, yeah, I'm now regretting the order that I put these in myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think they're going to be comedically so different that it's perfect. But you bring up an interesting point. It's fascinating being the first person person on the scene like witnessing the accent and like and like going over like you're just like that adrenaline is just flying yeah um it is uh yeah it's super intense i don't know if i would have done it if i was sober i just don't it's like i fear that i wouldn't have yeah i, interesting. Just, I just didn't i just didn't think about it at all especially on the know. 10 on the 10 yeah i got another okay great i got another story Go ahead. This. Just, no no okay. no it's your turn is it another crazy one because i was going to talk about one. the way i eat salmon oh, no, no, <laughs> that's that's crazy <laughs> i eat salmon you ever seen a grizzly bear, seen a grizzly bear. stand guy. on the waterfall it's it. i was just out in yellowstone <laughs> I, know. Uh, right. I didn't see one grizzly bear out there there's some bullshit i asked for my money back on the way out <laughs> Which has Teddy uh, Roosevelt? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he said bully. Um, <laughs> uh, I played Teddy Roosevelt in uh, Arsenic on a Lace. Fun fact. Oh, cool. That's it, man. Tell your friends. So uh, <laughs> that is a fun fact. That is a fun fact. All right, great. That was mine. No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I uh, so whenever I eat salmon or any fish like this, you know how they flake off. I eat them one flake at a time. I'll like instead of like cutting it, I'll just like press on the fish, and like the segments will each slide, and then I eat them one slice at a time. Wow, I imagine that could be lengthy. That could take forever. Yeah, well, I need to slow down in life. So this is the one meal I do it with. Right. <laughs> Solid. Does that annoy Tina? Is she like, would you just eat, would you just eat the fish? Please. Uh, at this point, I feel like our relationship has kind of been one long eye roll for her. <laughs> so uh, I would say consistently, consistently unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good, Good job. job. Good job. Oh, this again. Okay, uh, here he goes. Okay, here's mine. I hate bananas. And most all, I hate bananas specifically. I think I'd rather eat a cat. But I do not like cooked fruit at all. No cooked fruit? I don't, no cooked fruit. Bananas don't even try to cook nothing. But like, I don't <laughs> Get like out of here, bananas, pie. Foster. Like, exactly. Get out of here. Don't, put, don't ruin my peanut butter with your bananas. <laughs> I, got, I, got a, I, I don't know why. Maybe because uh, I was forced to eat, eat one when I was a kid or I don't know. 
I, yeah. I blanked out. I blanked out. I blanked out. Much, much like when you save those lies, you just blanked yes. out. Uh, so, so, so this is, so you hate all bananas in all forms, mm-hmm. but then in general, so like you don't like any pies, like pies are out. You're, are you cake, no cake over pie? Oh yeah. The only pie I like maybe like key lime pie. Cause it's, there's no like chunks or anything. Yeah. And maybe like some sort of chocolate pie, but no fruit. No fruit. no fruit on my cake. Don't put fruit on my cake. Don't put fruit. What do I look like to you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't put fruit on my. Come on. I also, it's interesting. I have some foods that I hate uh, to eat when they're in things, but I love them on their own. Like, for example, I don't like uh, like people put pineapple on pizza. That's the biggest insult to me ever as a New Yorker and Italian. Yeah. Um, right. Like pineapple is nowhere near to be on pizza. No. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a cooked fruit. It's a cooked fruot and I'm out of here with it. Yeah, I like pineapple on its own, though. Um, but yeah, and bananas are also similar. I don't like bananas in things, uh, but I'll eat a banana on its own. Fair enough. Trying to get my potassium up here, bro. <laughs> They don't call me Special K for nothing. Um, that was a periodic table joke. All right. I'm with you. No, I'm, I got it. I was there. Lloyd, let me jump back in, brother. I got, I got a couple other interesting things that, uh, that I wanted to, that I want to touch on with you. Um, so uh, I actually got to talk about this with a mutual friend of ours, Douglas Wydick, um, as well. And uh, he and I were talking about fame and the definition of fame. And so for me in my life, I have a goal of it's, it's weird to say, hey, I want to be famous. Now, um, I feel like it should be you have to follow it up with something. I want to be famous for this. Um, you can't just be like, I want to be famous because that's way too open, open ended. Um, but when you talk to individuals about wanting to be famous or wanting to have notoriety, that feels weird and contradictory to being a a humble, good person, right? Going back to our respect conversation earlier, right? Like it's weird to be like, no, I respect everybody, but make me famous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right? And so I'm wondering, did you, did you have a desire, you know, obviously you started doing improv back in Chicago um, and whatnot. Was there a goal of like, I would like to be famous or I'd like to be at this improv theater famous, or I would like, like what, What's your relationship with fame, I guess, is my uh, I was, is the question I'm asking. I mean, you can ask Josie. That was what I said to her when we first met. I said, I'm going to be famous. I want to be famous. Mm-hmm. And I left it at that. And it's funny. It's like, is that, that I don't think that way anymore. But when I was younger, like just starting out in the entertainment business, I didn't care. I, could, I was in a ska band in high school. I thought maybe that was going to be our big break. <laughs> you know, out of Boston. Hell yes. Um, uh, or, you know, maybe it was going to be an improv group or maybe I was going to be a stuntman or maybe I was going to be an actor. I think I was. I think being famous is a sign of success in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I uh, uh, like pinned it to in terms of like I, it wasn't that I wanted to be have people be in awe of me. It's that I wanted to be excellent at something. And mm. when you are excellent in acting, to me, part of the business aspect is you gain that fame and notoriety. Just like if you're a baseball player or if you're like a, a the, the highest level comes with a certain amount of built-in fame. I think at first I just, I just said that because it was the easiest thing to say. Having a small amount of fame, like Rap Battle's fame, um, I love it. 
I, I really do. I, I love that people love what I do. I love that people dissect the words that I write and know the words that I write and have tattoos and have collections and have clubs and have a following. I love feeling, but it's not because I love that people, um, adore me. It's that I love that people adore the skill that I have. You know, I like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I deal with it as humbly as I possibly can. You know, I don't think I'm great at being famous and Pete, my partner does not like being famous at all. Sure, I yeah. think like the image part of being famous is difficult for me, but I think it's a piece. If you want to maintain that, if you want to like stoke those flames, you got to look a certain way. You got to be dressed like this. You got to, especially in LA, it's so image based. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that I did find out very quickly coming from Chicago and growing up in the, the, that entertainment world is that going into it, when I moved to Chicago, my concept, and especially growing up in the, in like the country, my concept about the entertainment business was that there was either feast or famine. You were either this giant star or you like, you were sleeping in your car. Yeah. And that's when I would say, I want to be famous because I was like, that meant success. But what I found out was that there's this whole sort of working class art level that these people may not be super famous, but they make their living doing the arts. There's commercial actors, there's touring musicians, there's yeah. writers, there's producers, all these things. And having not grown up around that, I didn't, I wasn't able to see that until I experienced it like firsthand, which like took the pressure off the fame and just put it on the, just the doing what I love, mm -hmm. which was great. Being excellent at a craft. Yeah. 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 And being, being like, I like being, you know, they call it improv famous. Like me growing up, like the improvisers I was like, Oh my God, that's TG Jadagadowski. That's, that's Tammy Sager. That's John Lutz or whoever these guys were. Or yeah. uh, and I like that the students and the people at the theater where I am sometimes look at me that way, but it's not because what it gets me. It's because like, it says that I'm doing a good job. You know, it says that like I'm a master at something, yeah. which is important to me. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, that's beautiful. And, and, uh, and shout out to all three of those improvisers, legends. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I got to take a class with TJ, uh, uh, which was, which was really special. John Lutz is one of my favorite performers. Um, yeah, he's incredible. And, and Tammy's outrageous, uh, as well. And so the, uh, but that's so interesting. I like the way that you put that. <laughs> Freaking interesting. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Um, I had to say it out loud, so I caught myself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, but the the concept of it's not that I am famous. It is that my talent is worthy of respect uh, and are worthy of, of people recognizing it. And that's, that's an interesting twist for me that I appreciate because I think there is always inside of me, there was always this side of like, nah, you know, that feels weird. And I have this, this powerful memory right before uh, that my first marriage uh, kind of really started to deteriorate. I had this moment where I was outside of Dodger Stadium, one of the one of the great ballparks uh, for sure. Um, just a great place to catch a game. And I was outside of uh, Dodger Stadium, and I had just given a speech at uh, I think it was uh, maybe uh, at Cal State LA or CSUN or something like that, and it was was hanging out for a few days in the LA area. And um, and I was on the phone with my with my then wife and. And we were having a conversation and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was like, I was like, someday I'm going to be here at Dodger Stadium and I'm going to have somebody like I won't just be able to be on the phone with you because yeah. like, someone's going to interrupt me. And that's going to be a cool moment. 
And and I remember distinctly what she said. And it kind of was really like it was one of those a catalyst moment for me where I was like, I don't know if I'm in the right plus spot here in my relationship. Um, but uh, but I remember her being like, do you really want to be famous? Is that something you really want? She's like, I think that would be terrible if you were famous. Yeah. And uh, and I was just like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure that's what I want. Yeah. And and it was just like, no, that's it. But it's a weird, again, it's a weird thing to say that you want it, but I really love the way that you twisted it. Now you made me everything that I want to do justifiable. So thank you. Um, <laughs> let me know what I owe you. But uh, <laughs> but still, that's such a powerful, that's such a powerful conversation to think about. Like I, uh, I have a desire to be seen as a master, to be seen as respected as such. Now, like I know for me, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my, ideas around fame or like I want to be seen as uh, an intelligent, like deep thinker uh, who was who able to have a hysterical conversation around it all. Right. Like I kind of like want to play that whole role. Um, but like, I think when I think about fame, like I would love to be like Brene Brown type famous. Right. Uh, by the way, I'm on a mission to meet Brene Brown. If you have any connections, I'm on a goal next five years, I'm going to meet her once. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but still, let me know. Lloyd. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but still I'm um, like, I would love to be, I don't know what it is about like that level of, uh, of fame or whatnot, but it's just, it's just a really cool spot to be. And that's a goal of mine. Um, but more I've, than anything else, like yeah. I, we would go to these conventions. Right. And like, there's all these other YouTubers and stuff. And like, you like, like, I wish I didn't want to be famous as much as I do. Like, cause you'll go to these yeah. things and you'll, all you do is compare. You're like, look at this line for this guy. Or why isn't anybody swarming around me? It's, so many people could or couldn't be swarming around me, but you're always comparing. And my, like Pete, the guy that I work with, he just doesn't want that at all. And he's like, really, it's like a, almost like a curse. It's like, I wish I didn't want to, but I do. I don't yeah. know what it is, but I want people swarming around me. You know, I think if I dealt with it every single day, day in, day out, I think that like the reality of that after a while would get tiresome. Sure. But I think these people who like shun off being famous and like, oh, I hate this. It's like, then why the hell did you get in this business, man? <laughs> Stop yeah. it with yourself. Yeah. I love, I think that Jerry Seinfeld is really good about handling his fame and in, in, in the uh comedians and cars having coffee mm -hmm. he's different episodes he's like touched on it but the one with zach galifianakis he's just so poignant about it being like you're famous <clears throat> like own it like it's part of the business like i don't know i i yeah. never i never understood those people who like hated it but i always kind of wanted to not want it sure Okay. Yeah, I could I can totally see that. I can totally <laughs> see that. Uh, and because I, 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 yeah, I mean, for me, it's a for me, it's a little bit of like, yo, let me get that problem, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, then I'll like, that when yeah, I can. yeah, exactly. I'm I'm gonna figure it out. And like, you know, it's so easy for somebody to be like, I'm gonna be this kind of person. And then when if someone comes up to me at Texas Roadhouse, here's what I'll tell them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, shout out to Texas Roadhouse, one of our sponsors here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the greatest steaks in Texas. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, but you know, I remember this cool moment, dude, where, you know, as, as I mentioned in the opening, right? Like I, I, uh, I've listened to every rap battles of history from the jump and, um, and I'm, I'm not, at a, I'm not at a place of fandom where I know every single word, you know, I know, I know my favorite lines. I can recall them, uh, and, and whatnot, but, uh, but still we had this cool moment that you and I really got to uh, connect on, which was dope. It was a super fun day or a couple of 
of days in New York, you're out there for Comic-Con yeah. um, and you got to perform live. Right. And then you let me come through to the concert. And it was this surreal moment where I kind of like lingered in the back a little bit. Um, but like hearing these people drop every single word uh, of, of all these, of all these different battles, right? Like literally bringing people on stage and be like, you're going to play so-and-so you're going to play so-and-so like what a freaking cool moment. I just stand, I just remember standing back and be like, this is the shit. Like yeah. what a freaking, like I have, I, I don't know if you get this way, but like whenever I see a Broadway play or if I ever see a performance, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a, a, if I'm there seeing it live or something like that, like I can immediately put myself in the shoes of that performer. And like, I get overwhelmed sometimes with emotion of like, how special does it feel to be like, like, I'm at a Beyonce concert in MetLife Stadium and just like everybody's around singing this song. I'm like, what does it feel like to hear everybody just hold the microphone out and just hear people sing your lyrics? Like, that's got to be so surreal. And I like I get overwhelmed with it, man. Well, yeah. Tell me about it, dude. It's exactly how you it's it's everything I love. It's my favorite <laughs> part, thing that we've ever done. It's my favorite feeling I've ever had in terms of entertaining like the ERB tour and the ERB live shows, and we haven't done one in a long time, but we did a tour and those live shows, when they go well, sometimes, you know, they have weird problems or it sounds bad, you know, it's kind of annoying, but like that is lightning. And I, I am a live performer. It's what I love to do. Yeah. And it's so satisfying. It's just, yeah, it's great. That's dope, it's man. great. And I love it. You know, like, uh, I love talking to people after I love, meeting shaking hands it is like tiring if you like like as a youtube person um it it the 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 platform is one such that it's expected that the talent does like a meet and greet or there's like this connection with the talent that yeah you know you wouldn't expect to get to talk to beyonce after or whatever but a lot of what a lot of youtube personalities are just that they're not musicians or whatever their whole tour is a meet and greet so whether people are able to discern one from the other doesn't matter like when they see youtube whatever they so doing like a show after a show can get tiring and it's it's you know your mingle juice kind of runs low after a while Mm -hmm. but the shows are like i really really hope we get to do them again yeah and yeah 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 Really That's beautiful, it. man. Yeah, it was super, super dope to witness. And just again, one of those moments where like I was watching it, but like <laughs> take this as creepy as you need to. Um, but like I was like in your body being like, yo, he's got to feel so fucking cool right now. Yeah. It's like this cool like that like good empathy. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, for sure. So I got one more question for you, brother. Um, and uh, it kind of ties into what we're talking about here and kind of putting a little bow on it. But a, a topic that I think about is legacy a lot. And mm. for me in life, I have this constant battle. I've mentioned it on here before. I have a constant battle in my own head between presence and legacy. Um, and legacy is is something that I, I think a ton about. I often wonder if I think too much about. I'll talk about it with my counselor. Um, but, uh, but still, um, but still, uh, I think about legacy a ton and I'm wondering, do you think about legacy and what do you want your legacy to be? I never think about legacy. Cool. All right. Good interview. No, man. I mean, great. I, it's so funny. Like <laughs> I never think about it. I, I, I probably, I should, but I never do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know why. That's an interesting question. I don't, I don't, I think, um, I, from a very early age was made very aware how fleeting everything is and how fast it can be over. Yeah. And so, um, it made me really, really fight for the present and being present and like sucking all the joy out of every moment that you can, even if it's not the healthiest. Um, but in terms of legacy, I've just never thought about it. I, I guess I think about the people around me and that they'll be okay. That's what I, like mm -hmm. if I died suddenly or tragically, like I feel better a little bit now than I used to earlier in my life because I feel like though it would be sad and everything, I would be in a place financially where I wouldn't be a burden to anybody. And I would also be, you know, they would be okay for, you know, like life-wise. Yeah. So I guess that's what I think about with legacy. There's always been things in my life though, like that I've always just followed based on a hunch. Like, like I never really set five-year goals or time goals. I never really did that. I always just sort of followed where I was feeling pulled. And I, I saw like little steps. And mm -hmm. now that I look back, I see how they all link together. But I, 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 I just kind of trust that um, what I'm feeling and what I'm moving toward is what I should be. And I guess I feel the same way about legacy. Like, I don't think you can control what your legacy is going to be if you're thinking about what your legacy is going to be. Because then it's like surfing for a wave and always looking backwards. Like, you have to just, like, go this way. Um, and then when they on the people on the shore go, look at that guy. He just crushed that wave. That's the legacy. Yeah. Or something. I like it. I truthfully <laughs> do, man. No, you got me, you got me thinking, man. No, you got me thinking, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, you got me thinking that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And in, uh, in, in a cool way of like, you know, the people who are asserting that are so focused on legacy aren't actually going to leave a legacy um, because uh, or potentially won't leave a legacy right. um, because they're missing the moments that would actually leave the legacy. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I think there's like, there's some value into it and maybe I'm not thinking it right, but there's some value into being like, like, like with rap battles, like you said before, like picking a side, black lives matter, black lives, you know, whatever, like looking back on that is like, yeah, that's going to be the legacy. But mm -hmm. I didn't make that decision based on the legacy move. Sure. But looking back at it, I'm like, I'm glad I did, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lloyd, it's been so dope hanging out with you, brother. Yeah, I can't man. thank you enough. We'll, uh, um, if you're open to it, I'd love for you to hang out for just a quick Q&A if you're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sweet, brother. That'd be awesome, man. Um, so as, if you all have questions for Lloyd, please make sure that you uh, throw those in the chat right now. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast, if you're interested in hearing this Q&A with Lloyd, please check out my YouTube page. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo, and Lloyd's episode will be up there uh, for sure and the Q&A will be at the end of the episode. So uh, you can just check it out. So, uh, but thank you so much for those of you on the podcast. I appreciate you uh, with this thing is just getting started y'all. And I got a bunch more episodes coming through you, uh, coming through for you. And so if you enjoyed this, uh, you know what to do. And thank you so much, y'all. You be well, have a good night. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. 
<laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, <laughs> come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.